So we are continuing today in our study of the Shema Yisrael. And uh, I, I told you several weeks ago, I think, that uh, th- there's a sort of a cynical part of me. I didn't tell you that then, but I'll confess that to you now. So we have Christian ease, which is the way Christians or church people talk to one another. And one of those terms that came up several years ago was the, the term blessings or blessings. So as a sign-off, um, signature blessing. And um, I told you of my carnal resentment that says, don't tell me what kind of a day to have. Don't tell me to be blessed. And yet when I go to, to the scriptures, I think that's exactly what we are encouraged to do because it was what God told the priests to do for the children of Israel. It's what God tells us to do for one another, to bless one another. And so to say blessing at the end of your email is very good to do. So I repent of my cynicism, at least in that. And then another thing crept up, which is probably around the same time, um, people began to say things like this. I know your heart. And I remember thinking, what in the world does that mean? How, how do you know my heart? And what does it mean to know my heart? Um, so if someone is being gracious and overlooking something, maybe they'll say, I, I know your heart. And I'll s- say to myself, what? How, how do they know my heart? So that, that's what we're trying to figure out today. Uh, how to sort of demystify this uh, biblical term that's also an ordinary human word and to understand why it's part of the Shema Yisrael. Why are we to love the Lord, the God, with all our heart? So Susan's already shown us the picture of the the pump that is in our chest. Um, I have problems with my pump uh, a few years ago. I have now, for probably the last 14 or 15 years, had atrial fibrillation, which means my heart decided to to bump differently it decided to pump differently it decided to beat differently so I have this little sort of dual rhythm going on but then a few years ago my cardiologist said he didn't want to see me anymore and I wasn't sure whether that meant something bad or something good so so far so good but the heart that really is an interesting way to talk about a theme in the Bible And so we're going to go back again to the Bible Project videos and just hear them explain to us why that term is used and what it means before we carry on and see what we can learn together today. So let's come back to the Spice Girls. Um, What do you want? Do you really, really, really want? So the heart is the center of desire. And that's what we want to talk about today is the longings of the human heart, the longings of the human person, the desires of the human person. And we ask ourselves simply the question, what do you want? And I'm going to invite you today to think about lots of areas in your lives where you might just bring it down to this question, what do I want when it comes to this part of my life or that part of my life? What is it that you really want? So if, if I were to simply ask you that question today, what are some of the things that float into your mind? Things that you want, things that you would like, things that you desire. So in a few weeks, we're going to begin our version of the 40 Acts 
um, routine for the last number of years that we've participated in. We're going to call it ARC, Acts of Random Kindness. And when it comes to a certain day in that time, we all know what the answer is to the question, what does Bethany want? She wants chocolate, right? And that's fine. I'm going to talk about it being okay to want chocolate. But it sort of surfaces for us that whole uh, process in, in our lives, in our beings of wanting something. W why is it that we want something and what are the things that we want? We're, we're going to, uh, over the next few weeks, talk to you about some of the ways that we will try to love our neighbors um, by performing random acts of kindness, deeds of kindness, um, to express love for them. And we're going to encourage you to want to do these things. So where do we come up with this whole idea of desire or wanting being important in the Christian life? As you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy C.S. Lewis. And if, if you read those people who have studied his work and who comment on his books and his letters, um, very often you'll hear them saying that the theme of desire was very prevalent in C.S. Lewis's writings. The very first book that I read by C.S. Lewis was called Pilgrim's Regress, which is not a very popular one of his library, but it's the whole story of a person pursuing desire. And here's what C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says to just sort of get us into this, this theme. He says, if, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. It, I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same to press on to the fulfillment of that desire. And so Lewis's um, contention was that in our hearts, um, we have a desire and we keep on trying to fulfill that desire or those desires. And he's saying that the desire that is really in our hearts is not for the things that are in this country, so to speak, but in another country. And if in the human experience we find this phenomenon of desire, we presume that that indicates that there is a satisfaction of that desire. And with all of the small desires that we have and big desires that we have, um, we can find ourselves many, many times dissatisfied even though we think we have the object of the desire um, well in sight. He also, in the book, The Weight of Glory, says this desire is like the scent of a flower we've not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. I love those. And I, and I think they really stir up in us our human experience, and we can nod our heads and say, yeah, there, there is often in the human experiences a longing for something, a wanting for something. Uh, one version of that is the, the version that we would call nostalgia, 
where we look back to something that once happened or maybe something that we once had and we wish we could have it again. And many times as, as we um, have our, our conversations together, we confess that the good old days weren't really the good old days. We remember times and events more positively than they really were and there's something in us that is still the longing the desiring for something and and so as as we sort of think back over our lives and and um, remember things that happened in the past uh, I remember having a homesickness for for Ireland when I was a teenager and we had moved to Canada and I thought that if I could go back to Ireland, I could find my friends again, and we could do the things again that we used to do. We could go to the places that we used to go. We could go down the glen that we used to play in, that we could go to the loch and we could fish, or we could go fishing in Adelong where, where my grandparents were. And, and so actually, just shortly after we moved to Canada, my grandmother was very ill, and so we went back to Ireland, and I went back expecting to relive the the days of my of my childhood and you know what they weren't there the things that i remembered i remember them more positively or uh, more fondly than they could now be experienced uh, but it it tells me that in my heart there's something in the phenomenon of desiring the desiring of the human soul um, is evidence of an end to that desire, or, or else we're left in, in a state of perplexity where, where we would say, how, how did we get to be the kinds of beings that desire things that we can't, can't have, um, or that desire things and then when we have them, we're not satisfied by those things? Is it because um, all of those things are merely the scent of a flower that we've not yet smelled, we've not yet been able to to thoroughly enjoy its fragrance. So as we talk about this desire in our hearts, the desire of longing, or the German philosophers call it Sehnsucht, the, the yearning inside the human heart for something, we go to the Bible as we seek to live lives of faith, and we find that in the Bible there is a, a proposal um, that Augustine, one of the church fathers, identified and said, it, it's, it's the emptiness, the longing of the human heart for God. That every time we experience any kind of a desire, we're really longing for something beyond that desire. Now that's not to say that we leave every other desire aside. Um, it's not to say that every other desire is wanting or um, is deficient, but but. The, the dynamic of desire is a dynamic that we believe must have been placed in our hearts by our creator, and so we're longing for the one who made us to be in a relationship with him. And the most wonderful thing about Christianity is discovering, I think, that you, we can actually have a relationship with God. Um, you saw one of the, 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 the prayer lines earlier, and, and uh, talked about being thankful for God inviting us into his dance. And that comes from a book that I referred to a few weeks ago and says that God, the Trinity, has has actually invited us to be part of his dance. He 
He has a delight in being himself, and his greatest joy is inviting us, those whom he has created, to actually come and be part of his life. And we find enormous language in the New Testament uh, where Jesus promises his disciples that, that they can be friends with God, um, they can be part of the friendship that there is between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And something in us rises to that and says, we desire that. We desire to be with God, who is um, the most perfect being and who has the most perfect abode and tells us that we are at home there or we will be at home there. If all of this is true, then we do go back to one verse that uh, we saw just a few minutes ago in, in the video, and that's in the Proverbs, where in chapter 4 and verse 23, the Proverbs tell us these things. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Let me give it to you in a couple of other versions. Guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. So this whole idea that the heart is the image of human desire itself, um, it, it, it really is the picture of sort of the wellspring or the fountain or the headwater of all the rest of life. And so if that's true, then it behooves us to consider all of the parts of our lives and ask, how is my heart um, prompting my activities, my attitudes, um, my thoughts, my feelings in the various parts of my life, the various parts of um, the days that I spend on, on earth here. So this idea of, of desire being a very fundamental human characteristic is a very ancient idea. Uh, way back at the very beginning, the rabbis um, talked about what, what they called the yetzer, which is uh, a word that means desire. And their theology was that when, when humankind fell, when we lost our relationship with God, um, something happened to our desire. So we were created as beings of desire. And, and that's a lovely thing to grasp, that desire is not something that's apart from our humanness. It's, it's very foundational. It's very central to our humanness. But the rabbis would say that our, our, our yetzer became differentiated. It's a little clumsy word. But they're saying that we, we once had just basically a neutral yetzer. We were beings of desire. And then... When we lost our fellowship with God, when we lost our connection with God, our desire got split into um, a set of desires that were good and a set of desires that were evil or that were bad. And that the story of religion is a story of humankind trying to understand its desires and trying to sort the desires um, so that the good Yetzer is pursued and the evil Yetzer is, is left behind, is abandoned. This idea of desire, um, I think, travels into most every area of our lives. And we can probably just understand uh, that desire can have 
at least three characteristics. I mean, not the desire itself, but the the object that we think we desire or that we experience as our desire. First of all, we can want what's not good. And we, we all know that, that there, there's something in our humanness that, that battles what we know or think is good, and it wants something other than that. So we have a world where that is the mark of much of our, our human history, where we say, why are we the kinds of beings that when we exercise our desire, we find that what we want or what we think we want is, is not good? It's, it's the evil, or it's, it's the bad desire. What is that? And how do we account for it? And, you know, in, in honest conversation, I think that's, that's what we invite one another to discuss. How do you explain that the human being doesn't always do what's good? H- how do you explain really, really bad things? And then, if you want to get away from the philosophical coffee table, um, deal with the question, why do I personally want bad things? What is it in me that thinks that the desire that I have could be satisfied with what I can acknowledge are bad things? Why do I, why do I have a struggle with that? So the, the first kind of thing that we can want and we can easily dismiss uh, is the things that are not good. We can have our desire expressed towards something that's not good. Second thing is, is that we can want um, what's good for nothing. So when uh, Paul is talking about how Jesus will receive us in a day of, of um, reward, is what it is, um, he, he talks about this notion that all of the things that we have done are like piles that are presented before Jesus and those piles are made up of gold and silver and precious stones and wood hand stubble. And we're told that the gaze of God upon these things that characterize our lives, the things that we have wanted and the things that we have done, um, will either be considered good or the Greek term is good for nothing. It's, it's not necessarily that it's going to be a good pile and a bad pile. When it comes to receiving a reward that the Lord Jesus wants to give to us who have tried to love him and, and live for him, um, when he looks at the piles, there's one pile that is just simply good for nothing, and it's consumed. So wood, hay, and stubble is, is burned up. Many of the things that, that we see one another do, we can't really discern. So back to my question, I know your heart. Many times we can't know the heart of someone else. And even things that look as though they are well-intentioned or maybe good things to do, when, when a person would be honest about why he or she involved himself or herself in these things, they may say I don't even know that I did those things for the right reason. So we're wise if we will look at our behaviors and ask, when I, when I express 
the desire that I had for this thing or, or that thing, was it something that was not good that I was wanting or was it something that was maybe good for nothing that I was wanting? I think the pandemic has been um, a help to us in maybe only this one way, which is to kind of reduce the clutter. And when, when we come through the pandemic, many of us are saying uh, there are things that we have stopped doing, even in, in uh, um, lists that are commended to church leaders and people in churches. Um, those people that are looking at us and are, are among us are saying, what are the things that you could stop doing when the pandemic's over? Um, when, when you ask the question, what is it that I really, really, really want? Um, this is a good time to ask that question. Maybe you're just saying back to your television screen, um, I just really, 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 really want this pandemic to be over. Or I just really, really, really want to be with my friends again. And, and those are two good things to be wanting. But there may be other things that we would say, boy, a year or two ago I would have thought what I really want is this. And I don't think it was a bad thing that I wanted, but maybe it wasn't a very helpful thing. It was kind of good for nothing. It, it, at the end of the day, it didn't matter much that I got or didn't get what, what I was desiring. Um, the third thing is that obviously I can want what is good. And so there we, we come back to the, the notion of desire being placed in us uh, as a little message from God. And Lewis says, desire is a good place to begin. Profound experiences of earthly beauty, goodness, and love are important. They wake us up and draw us out, out of ourselves. They're the first step. However, we must learn to hold these earthly things loosely. It's, it's refine, ref, refining um, why it is that good things are good to us and what is in back of the goodness of the things of beauty and the, and the things of, of merit that are all around us. And as we live our, our Christian lives, I think we're, we're, we're sort of often trying to zero in on a target. And we, we would do well to kind of step back and say, okay, what are the things that I'm involved with in my life? And what category are they in? Are they, are they things that are not good? Are they things that are good for nothing? Or are they things that are good? But then when we reduce our, our list to the things that are good, how is my desire being employed towards the desire of those good things. So things that are at one stage of a person's life uh, may be desired for a pretty good reason. But then maybe as the person gets older, um, the desire seems to change. They, they want something for a different reason, and it's, it's actually a better reason. When we think about raising our kids, we begin with a really good set of reasons about why we should love and uh, raise our children well. 
But then as our children grow older and mature, maybe what we want for them is, is not just that they're safe um, or that they're happy, but we want them to be living fulfilled lives. And then maybe beyond that, we want them to make a difference in their world. And while at the beginning we may have wanted them to be safeguarded from um, the trials of life, as we get older and they get older, we may say, well, that, that's, that desire is being ref refined in some way so that now I want them to, to learn and I, I want them to develop character out of what happens in their lives. And, and, and so a, a good thing, desiring the well-being of our family members, becomes something better as we live um, closer and closer to the mark. And the gold standard um, um, is the standard of, of God himself. It, he is the absolute standard of goodness, of grace and mercy and kindness and beauty. And, and, and so as we, as we try to zero in on our target, we may say, okay, how, how does God bring a different dimension to this? How, how does my relationship with God inform what I really, really want in this area of my life? So I, I encourage you to just think now for a minute about maybe three typical areas of our lives and think about your family and relationships and ask the question, what do I really desire? What is it that I really want? What am, what am I trying to accomplish? And how has that changed over time? How has that changed the closer I get to God and understand that um, in back of the good things I desire is a desire for there to be absolute um, alignment with the God of love that also knows my family and, and those people with whom I have a relationship. Maybe we would think about our work as another area um, and, and ask ourselves the question, in my work, at my job, what do I really want? And hopefully we can say what I want is not something that is not good. What I want, I hope, is less and less of what's good for nothing. But I hope that what I want is more and more for what is good. What is good for those around me? What is good in the practice of my job? As I think back over decades of being a pastor, um, I ask myself, what, what do I want? And if, if I had honestly asked the question and answered it early in my ministry as a pastor, my answers would have been much different than they are now, and hopefully in years to come they will be better answers than they are now. But I had things in mind um, that sometimes were not good. They were about me. They were about size. They were about success. Um, and, and then there were things that probably were good for nothing, and those are the number of things that you do just because you should do or could do or somebody else wants you to do. And, 
And then there are those things that are really good. So in, in the practice of my profession, what are the aspects of that that I want and I know that they're good? And in back of it, they're good because God says they're good. And that'll be a bit of a battle that goes on because what God says is good and what others think is good, may, they may not be the same thing. And so we need to keep uh, traveling along in this refining process. So if we think about family and relationships, we think about work, and we think about possessions and ask ourselves, well, what do I want in terms of what I have? And again, in, in this uh, time of pandemic, there are things that we want to have that we can't have. And so it, it's been important for us to be able to back up and say, well, why do I want those things? And how important are they? And, and maybe we'll end up saying, I'm really glad for those things. And when this time is over, I will be happy for them again. Good. That'd be, that'd be just fine. But there also may be some things where I say, my desire was off kilter in, in wanting those things. Maybe I didn't want them um, appropriately or for the right reason or whatever it would be. But we come back to what um, the Proverbs give to us as, as a, a way of wisdom. And that wisdom tells us that, that in our hearts is the, the spring of everything that issues in our lives. Um, so, so all that is downstream begins in our hearts. I, I went many, many times to Uganda, to the city of Jinja, which is called the source of the Nile. There's some debate about what's the actual source of the Nile, um, and the people in Jinja say they know it. It's right there. It's, it's in Lake Victoria and in Jinja. But everything downstream for 4,000 miles began in the headwaters, began at the source. And what the Proverbs is, are telling us is that everything downstream in our lives comes from the spring of the heart. And the heart, if we can grapple with that this morning, the heart is that seat of, of desire. We, we might say that the heart is the desiring part of us. The heart is the wanting part of us. And from the wanting part of us comes everything, honestly, that we do or value or appreciate or shun or embrace. There's a story told about a family who, who uh, lived on a ranch and there was a big spring that, that um, issued out of, out of the ground, not far away from their house, actually. And there was lovely, pure, cold water that bubbled up, and they were able to, to have that water delivered to the house, and everything was lovely. One day, uh, when they went back to the, the source of the water that they were drinking, they found two huge frogs in, in the spring. And they spent their next several weeks uh, making sure that the spring was rid of frogs. They first of all let the spring flow over so it flushed the frogs out. And then they kept checking and checking and checking to make sure there were no frogs. 
I don't know if it's bad to drink water that had frogs in it. Maybe it is. But the point is, because their water supply was tainted, they didn't want to trust the water that they would drink. And that's kind of the image of, of Proverbs, that um, if there's something tainting the source, then everything that comes out of it shouldn't really be trusted. Desire given by God. Desire properly directed is, is a, a gift of God about how to live our lives in a meaningful way, in a successful kind of a way. And in behind all of it is God who is saying, I hope you're always asking the question, who gave you the propensity to want? Who gave you the desire? Where did that come from? And as we see little bits of uh, fulfillment of desire in the beauty of the creation of which we're part, and we look behind that and hear God saying, did, did you like seeing that beautiful mountain? Did you like being in the snow? Do you like the sunshine? Do you like the sand? Did Where do you get the idea that anything is beautiful to be desired, except that the real object of your desire should be God, who is incredibly glorious? Um, to end with, with C.S. Lewis, he, in his work, The Weight of Glory, talks about the fact that being in God's world is to be in a place where colors are more vivid and tastes are sweeter and um, feelings are deeper. And so whatever it is that we desire and properly find fulfilled, God says there is so, so much more. Just like when you went back to Ireland and it's not the same anymore, you can't fulfill on earth the desires that God has placed in your heart for another place. And hopefully we are aiming our lives towards uh, uh, a foreverness in that other place.